Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co slash PMC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. You can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And you're listening to episode 217. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rcraft at snnwire.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on iTunes. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the Microcap message. Special thank you to our sponsors for today's episode, Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries into NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G dot co slash PMC and Quarter whose mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. Visit your app store of choice to try it out. And that's Quarter, Q-U-A-R-T-R. We are very excited to host our first in-person event in nearly three years. The Planet Microcap Showcase is back in Las Vegas on May 3rd through 5th, 2022 at Bally's Hotel and Casino. It's time to see each other. It's time to network in person. Let's make it all happen in the entertainment and business capital of the world. For more information, please go to www.planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vegas. For this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with Jean-Philippe Tissot. He is the founder of Arauca Capital. We were introduced by a recent guest of the show, Ian Hunter. Thank you, Ian. To get prepared for our conversation, Jean-Philippe sent over recent fund letters, and in his 2018 annual letter, he describes quite thoroughly his three pillars of investing. I found this quite interesting and nuanced, so we dove a little bit deeper to fully understand his approach. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 217 of the Planet Microcap podcast, and please enjoy my conversation with Jean-Philippe Tissot. This episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense. You can find them at streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G dot co backslash PMC. Stream is an expert interview transcript library that is starting to become an integral part to investors' research process. They have a number of interviews on a wide variety of companies, including TMT, consumers, industrials, real estate, and more. Stream provides over 300 expert interviews per week, and 70% of their experts are found exclusively on Stream. 
Stream is unlike any other transcript libraries. Stream integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Stream's community of experts and thought leaders partner with Stream to build their professional brands and expand their industry influence. Right now, there are approximately 8,500 plus call transcripts available. For more information, please visit www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co backslash PMC. Welcome back, everybody, to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is a gentleman who was introduced to us from Ian Hunter, who was recently on Planet Microcap. And I'm really excited to learn from him, his investing philosophy, strategy, so, and especially his background, because it's really quite unique. So with that, I'd like to introduce Jean-Philippe Tissot. He's the founder of Arauca Capital. Jean-Philippe, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing, man? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Bobby, for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure uh, for me to be here with you. Huh? It's, it's great to have you on. So I want to dig into your background already. Like, let's let's get into it um, because it's it's quite unique. You know, you're you're <laughs> uh, you're you're from Colombia. You're now operating in, in Europe. Uh, with your fund, um, and 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 I, when we were talking offline, you had a, a really great story about how you ended up wanting to make that move and and to f- pursue your passion. So with that, you know, love to know where your passion for investing began and and how you got to where you are today. Of course, so it's a quite a long story. Let's see. Uh, so I'm, I'm as you mentioned. So I'm originally from Colombia. I I, I grew up there and I was raised so uh, there as well. Um, when I was in the university, in Colombia, the university is five years. It's quite long. So I started there as a teenager. And uh, very early, I joined a brokerage firm um, to, act, to learn. So in the, we have 10 semesters in Colombia. In the fourth semester, very early, I just started uh, uh, attending a, a brokerage firm, which uh, for like nine months, um, I was just really learning. And I was in different aspects, in different um departments of the of the business um why i entered there because i have always wanted to spend my time on uh on a play or like on something that has unlimited potential you know unlimited potential in terms of what you can become or what you can learn so i didn't have like to have any cap um on like on a on a job so um, so that's why I entered there. Uh, so I mean, investing uh, or trading at the time. Um, so when I, while I was there, so I joined, so it was nine months across every different department of the company. Simultaneously, I was, learn- I was in the uni. Then I joined as a trading assistant in the foreign exchange desk. That's, um, that's um, the place where you trade dollars against the Colombian peso. And uh, that was another nine months. And then my boss left. And that was the exact moment where in my uni, I was uh, supposed to have an internship, but I had already all this background. And then uh, the, well, the, the, the boss there said to me, like, if I was ready to, to, to handle the desk, that was a huge opportunity because I was, uh, I was uh, extremely young. I, I joined, uh, I mean, when I was 20. So I was very, very young for that. And um, 
you know, that is where I started to see a lot of, because that was, uh, let's say you, you made the money mostly on the time as with proprietary trading and you were market, market making on currencies as well to the clients, but that was very small. But I saw um, uh, a lot of my colleagues uh, trading Colombian government bonds and a lot of, um, let's say, excesses on, on, on how much money they can make, but how much responsibility, so how irresponsible you can become as well. And that shaped me in a way that I, I said, like, I really want to survive. And I was very conservative I, and it was very interesting experience. But then when I was there in Colombia, very young, you know, and enjoying my life. So imagine football, I mean, soccer, you guys say that, right? So uh, imagine you're in Colombia in a small football team and you, you dream, you know, you, you say, oh, I want to play in the Real Madrid. So that's basically what happened to me. I said like, oh, I want to, at that time, I thought that uh, the real wisdom at that time uh, occurred, like, I don't know, in Wall Street or in the main banks in London. So I said, I want to work for a major bank trading in London. I always said that. Um, just it's important to know I, my English was really bad at the time. I don't know if it has improved by then, but it was really bad. So I had to, to leave. And I, so when I finished my university, I quit completely and I moved to London uh, to learn English, literally just just English course. And then I, I, I well, I said like, okay, I need to study a master and, 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 and all of that. I had this dream, but when I was there, I got, this is crazy. Where, I mean, I'm competing with the smartest people on, I don't know, from India, from China, from all that go to, and I don't even speak proper English, so how it's going to be. So, well, then I, so I decided to study uh, a master degree, which of course that was in the plans, but um. I miss out the deadlines how are in the UK. So I ended up in Germany and, and, and well, that was fun. So I ended up in Germany and that was 2007 actually. And then in Germany, so you had in my master degree, I had to do an internship, you know, this lasted two years. And when I entered, so I entered in Munich in, um, in a major, uh, sorry, in a major asset management. And uh, that was Lehman Brothers time. So they sent us to back office and that was uh, not the plan for me, right? So I had to quit um, in, as an internship, but I found a job uh, which was a, a, a super interesting, which was at Adidas. And I was um, uh, an intern there uh, in, the, in the treasury. And when I joined, it was like um, October the 1st, 2008, um, when, um, well, you had already the results of, I don't know how, uh, subsidiaries hedge and and, you know, like uh, a lot of subsidiaries didn't hedge properly and the currencies moved, like, I mean, the, do the dollar or the local currencies on, moved down. And, and then I, my boss taught me how to do hedge accounting and et cetera. I knew how to trade. And, and then basically I set up the Latin American um, um, strategy of hedging on onshore currencies. Onshore means that you cannot transfer them like Colombian peso and all. But I always want to go to a bank. <laughs> so that I lasted three years. It was a wonderful. Then I ended up having exposure, the big exposure, which is your dollar. I did a lot of options and stuff. It was remarkable. But then I ended up uh, so I to studying where I wanted to study. Okay. It was the original, the first university I originally planned. Both are really nice, very good. Um, and after I left, literally after I, I, I was in uh, JP Morgan for one year um, in London, and then I joined uh, BMP after uh, one year uh, in JP Morgan. And, and, and there, let's say, was where I really faced financial markets. And after a while, let's say, I, I, you know, I, I was already like uh, handling my, my capital and 
and different aspects. And, um, and, and, and I was not that happy with this platitude that I had that there is the wisdom there. There you're working with, like, I mean, everybody's super smart. Everything is, is phenomenal. But, you know, we are super experts when we're in the selling side, in the sales side uh, on how things operate, how things work, you know, so how to trade or currencies, how to trade options, how everything works. But, but nobody really knows where the market goes, you know, oh, and everything is short term. You know, everything is what matters is the headline of today, you know. And, uh, and I lack this kind of, oh, how can I compound my knowledge? How can I compound? And, you know, like I didn't. That's, that's interesting because you've been doing that for years, right? Like that's Correct. how you yeah, got each, I mean, each job. And, and yet you knew deep down, you're like, I want to, I'm good at this, but I'd rather my person, this doesn't fit my personality. You know, right? Like it sounds like. Well, uh, correct. And but I always wanted to get there, right? So it's like I, I didn't know and I had an experience from that. And then it happened something like, you know, like, um, so because I said like how I manage capital, you know, I cannot be like this. It needs to be in a way that it's very long term. Uh, I need to buy stuff when it goes down. It's not with excitement. And it happened that in 2013, um, uh, we sold um, a farm that my mother's family had for several generations and one family member asked me um jean philippe um can you please uh, help me allocate my capital because you are the expert and then he said she, she said uh, expert and i and i remember that they perfect so like what the hell expert means you know i know how everything works let's say how but but i have no idea what is going to happen with in a year on on different assets that's that's not possible and really down on me like come on like I haven't built um, really good knowledge on this. So what I'm missing? And I said, like, I love reading. I love learning all my life. But I had never um, read much about, well, Buffett and all of these guys. And I said, like, I need to learn from the biggest investor uh, ever. So, of course, that's very common. That happens to a lot of us. And I went to the library in London and I bought one book it's over there. And that was a really wake-up call because when you are in banking, uh, there is a lot of, um, a little bit of arrogance on, 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 on we know how things work, you know? And when I read this guy, <laughs> he's really humble and he's like, it's okay to not know, you know? Like it was, and it was in banking, like when you are, let's say in a trading floor and all, it's very hard that you hear people say, I don't know, like people know, you know? Like we, we believe we know, believe, no? And then that was a really interesting. And then I said, this is the most successful guy. And, uh, and then, of course, so it's okay to not know these things. And that changed completely my perspective of, of things. And of course, now, you know, I needed to, I mean, I study everything on finance since my university. Um, my favorite subject was accounting. So accounting and all of that is, is always ingrained in my blood, you know, so just my work that was different. But when, so I said, I need to start like investing in companies for long run, for the long run. And, and I, that was, I started managing my capital uh, very seriously and capital from a family member that then grew to different uh, family members. And that's where I set up a, a, a small uh, family partnership. And and it became, like I tell you, uh, in the first year that I did that, like completely, right? I learned more than the accumulated knowledge I had uh, and all what I have told you already, okay? And I was like, oh, this is, this is because, you know, you have skin in the game. You know, you have your own capital at risk. Right. You have to make decisions. So th this is a completely different aspect when you don't have that, you know? Right. 
I'd like to take a quick second to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Quarter. With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world, straight from your pocket for no cost. Quarter's mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. The first step on this journey is to let you, the user, interact with the company's content while you're listening. Visit your app store of choice and try it out today by searching for Quarter. And that's Q-U-A-R-T-R. Now back to the show. So when you were, while you were, you know, doing all, all the other jobs that led to, you know, founding mm-hmm. Arauca, I mean, who were, who were your influences, right? Like, cause you didn't, I mean, I'm assuming you partly came to it on your own. Like, I don't love investing this way. I want to do it differently. But did you, were there certain books that you read or folks that you followed that you're like, uh, who are they? Who are your, who are your folks? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you my path uh, because, um, so of course, uh, so many influences. I mean, I brought even some books uh, when it's there. Show, so come on, let's show and tell. Let, let's see some show and uh, tell. Let's go. Well, later. Let me let me go with chronologically. Okay. So, okay, all right. Of course. So I tell you, I, I mean, I, I really bought, bought the first book. I was uh, this uh, Lars Cunningham with the um, with the um, with the letters of Buffett that he puts them. Uh, so that was the first book that put me like wow. And then I went back and I bought anything I could uh, about Warren Buffett. Today, I think I have read anything that he has ever written or anything written about him at the time that was 2013 2014 i was really really focused i, I became crazy with this and uh, of course that i don't i don't i don't like to have labels today because um, everybody's uh, op- opinion and perception of a label is could be different to the others but of course it was value investing whatever that means to you uh, but it's this kind of a sphere um today i like to be called an investor um so it's more open and broad, but um, but that was of course my influence, and and for me, let's say I'm extremely grateful that I, I went there, and 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 it's it's been phenomenal. But then, of course, um, uh, I I also wanted to expand uh, the different views, perspective, and all. And one of my biggest influences is Nassim Taleb, you know. So I'm, uh, I'm I mean, I study a course that he taught. Uh, I have read everything he has done. I mean, of course, uh, he has, sorry, written from the main books. Uh, well, some are extremely smart, uh, complicated. Uh, these uh, options or mathematical papers that are sometimes hard to completely follow. But oh, it's, it's way, way over my head, man. But, uh, but he, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he, he opened um, a lot of uh, my mind on, on all what is risk, you know, what is risk. Uh, what is taking decisions under uncertainty, and well, that 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 is uh, that is um, something that is fundamental on me, and that also I, I like because at the end of the day, you paint your own, you make your own painting, right? So you have a little bit of everything. So if you, so from Nassim, you know, like from 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 my classmates or all the people who follow him uh, deeply, so because his experience is an option, he was an option trader, and um, and he has made extraordinary, let's say investments, positions, trades, whatever you call it, uh, on the left side, you know, of, of, of the tails, you know, the negative. So when something crashes, or, you know, and I like that, but on the positive side, right? So I like fat tails that are, have positive concavity. So, and, sorry, convexity. 
So it's um it's um so I like to be positive in 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 the side of the positive details. Example of that are investing investments that you know I don't know you buy a company it's a fifty million market cap and end up in ten billion. That's an absolutely fatal because it's not normal that you are going to find it and hold it right. Uh, so I like that, but also of course I I need to respect the unknown and 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 he shaped a lot of how my portfolio is constructed uh, and. Um, I have um, I have a lot of influences as well. There is a guy uh, called Anthony Deren. Um, yeah. He has a wonderful philosophy on preserving wealth and preserving capital. Um, uh, I'm a lot of I'm influenced a lot by him. Um, and um, well, and and all of a lot of uh, young investors as well who are remarkable are doing the job. You know, like the people who are taking risks and are making their own decisions. So. Um, it's a lot, so I try to I try to learn as much as I can from 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 people who who have a skin in the game and 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 are in the game, you know, like are, are there every day working and 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 try to make sure that they want to to keep compounding. So, um, I mean, I I learn a lot of uh, uh, from different disciplines as well, and I, I want to be influenced by that, you know. That's uh, so we. Gotcha. Lots of that, but that's the that's the origin. So, so then, so then, what would how would you describe then today? As you know, right now we're recording this February twenty third. What would you say is your investing philosophy? Well, my, my investing philosophy is, of course. So, let's say, um, I invest. So, the core of the of the fund um, and the core of the partnership, what it was and all, is to have ownership in companies, no, by, by the possession of stocks, no, and with the intention to hold them as long as management executes, right? Um, that sounds easy, uh, but it's, it's complicated because, um, of course, the ideal investment is the one that you hold forever, but that's platitude, you know, that that's very rare that it happens, you know, you management needs to execute forever, basically for that, you know? So that's but that's the core of the portfolio. So it's, it's long. So that's the that's the main. And on that, I want to have like a lot of preservation of wealth, as I mentioned. So that's why I have a barbelling portfolio. Barbelling by that, you know what I mean? Which is like the weight. So on one side, it's very safe, as safe as I can manage. I can have it. And on the other side, I like to explore, um, let's say, uh, more risky investments, more more companies that are. Haven't proven the business model. Micro caps, you know, uh, small caps, or, or potential companies that are new technologies that I have the perception of belief that I understand how they make money. Uh, I shouldn't be so uh, an expert, maybe on on the whatever they actually do, as long as I understand deeply how the money is made. Um, and these two fractions that are like the barbelling and the core of the portfolio are companies that I know very, very well and have uh, unrecognized earning potential. So that's basically how it is. So, and I want to compound capital for as long as possible. So that it is. So if you, if you, if you take, so this part of the portfolio is safe, is in large companies or, you know, I, I own a, in that aspect is low maintenance, a part is in Berkshire Haraway and part is in Franco Nevada, which is, you know, but that thing makes me sleep well at night and makes, allows my personality to invest heavily on the other side as well, you know? Um, 100%. So on that aspect, yeah. And then, but from where I spend my time are in this aspect, in this area as much, most of the time, right? And this is what has generated my return. So if I had taken this down, my returns would be bigger, but 
honestly, I wouldn't sleep the same way and it doesn't matter. I mean, what is one, 2% points higher? Still, I have a lot of volatility because I have a lot of small companies, you know? So doesn't it's not a trade I, I, I'm interested to make. But the core are companies that are, let's say, already live in the micro cap camp or small camp, and they have still a lot of recognized earning potential and a lot, lot of growth ahead. So, and these are, are like the main core where I think they, they should be like multi-baggers and all. But uh, every investment I make on that side of the portfolio, I should see it at the time of inception as this should be several X's. You know, of course, I cut them as, as I realize I've been wrong on my thesis or management does something different that I lose trust or whatever. But that basically is kind of the gotcha. philosophy. So, so in, and, and along these lines, you know, when, when we were, when I was preparing for our interview today, um, you sent me a few of the, your, your uh, investing letters. And I think this is one, I believe it was from 2018, um, okay. where in there you outline your investing pillars. And I thought this was really fascinating and I wanted to learn about it a bit more. You know, you've uh, sure. pillar one about behavior and uh, pillar ah. two, understanding the mathematics of the markets, all, all real world business experience. So, you know, I'd love for you to describe them a little bit. Maybe, maybe we can dig into them a little bit deeper uh, once you. Sure, sure. Uh, and then I need to expand a little bit on a part of my background, which I stopped <laughs> the story. Yeah, sure. So because so. um before of that, let me give you an explanation why the pillars. Um, so when I read um, everything about Buffett and the people who follow Buffett and value investing and all of that, um, I, was, I was curious on why a lot of people, let's say, underperform for long periods of time and uh, why I haven't seen that much on, on topic of what and on something that Buffett mentions a lot, which is temperament, okay? And and temperament and, and you know, like, what does it mean? So I exp- I went deeply. So let's take this word because in every, if you take the videos of, of Buffett, the, the old ones, it's like the temperamental part is the key of anything on investing. So I said, why nobody has gone deeply on that? What it means? Uh, and of course we know that, uh, Behavior is the most important thing. Anybody can be super smart, but if we just panic or or FOMO everything, uh, we, we are just gonna screw up everything, you know. So I went to that to behavior and behavior. So sorry <laughs> to temperament and temperament. What it is is behavior, and what is behavior? Um, well, is understanding how we act based on different aspects of stimuli, right? And that led me to literally for years, understand, uh, read everything I could about neuroscience, the brain, et cetera, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, well, you learn, I can give you a summary of that, is that we, and this is, I'm just not telling you my opinion, I'm telling you what neuroscience say, uh, is that we don't have uh, free will much. So we have, it's a bet of power. So it's like a free want, you know? So it's like, you can say now, maybe I don't do X and all, but we are, you cannot change that you feel hungry or you cannot change that whatever you like uh, women gays guys or whatever it is uh, you, you you say I, I switch willingly it's not possible you, whatever it is you know like that's so it's not whatever we come by that set so for instance now um if you read something about 
whatever oil is going to go to 300 and all, you're being affected by that. And you're going to, you know, like already you, your subconscious, we already make that decision for you. And eventually you behave like this. So I wanted to understand that because at the end of the day, we can never control these things, but we can trick them, right? So how I trick them. So let's say market goes down for seven months, a lot, but you have proper companies made, um, uh, with good decision process, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and uh, you shouldn't really panic or anything, but then you should do things that trigger these chemicals that, or, that your body produces, where, you know, like cortisol, for instance, is the stress that is, is a hormone that is produced and uh, it changes your personality, changes everything. So if you, and your amygdala takes over the rational part. So you need to do tricks. So if you should get away and do sports for a week because you have a lot of cortisol, just do it. Also, you should be in the bench sometimes saying, I cannot make decisions now because my chemicals are high. That led me uh, to understand that and to have a set of, I call it Ulysses contracts, Ulysses from, from when Ulysses was going to, you know, the mermaids and, uh, you know, you had to put them, but you wanted to hear sure. so this kind of stuff. So, um, to ensure that I'm not taking decisions under different um, stimuli and all, because I will never control that. It's impossible. We are, you know, mammals. So, um, but I need to have tricks that I can lower them. So that's why pillar one behavior. And, you know, I need to prove that. And, 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 and it's like, okay, I know what I own. And if I own it, uh, if it crashes, we will still own it. And there is always a risk in the market, which is like, I mean, if we, the hallmark goes to zero. It has happened in Russia in 1917, uh, whatever, in Japan, in Hungary and all. That's a risk that will always exist. And that's it. The others, the risk, the biggest risk is my behavior. So that's pillar number one. Pillar number two is the mathematics of the market. And that's all what I learned from Asim. Okay. So it's understanding that um, they are fat tails. So, you know, there are distributions that are not uh, normal distributed. They are extremist time, which is one single effect can dominate the whole. No? Example, uh, one investment that you did very well, the company performed, uh, can be 99% of your returns over 10 years of investing, 20 or whatever, you know, like if you invest in that company, that, that's a positive fat tail. But also a negative fat tail is you are shorting, you know, let's say, 2019, you are very smart. Quantitatively, Tesla is not at this price. It should never be. And you're very smart, you know, but you short 10% of your portfolio on that. You went 34, you would be bankrupt, you know? So I don't like to have anything that it doesn't matter how lo logic says, but if there is a small chance of an unlimited loss on anything, I'm not able to do it. Even my personality doesn't allow me. I wouldn't sleep, you know, like, so understanding that, so on that means like, I don't leverage, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, if I leverage 100% the fund, for instance, you know, 50% drawdown will kill me completely, you know, I don't want that, you know, I don't need it. It's not, no, if I short 10%, something goes tenfold, you're out. Tesla went 34 or whatever since 2019, you know? So these things happen. And look what happened in 2020 with all these meme stocks. You, you don't, you know? So I understand that. I am away from this, you know? And also I want to be exposed to convexity, to positive uh, fat tape. So that's the point, you know? So that's how 
how the portfolio is constructed in this way. So, and that's why the barbelling part is like a respect to the unknown because a lot of things, a lot of things, the majority of things, we don't know how they play and uh, and. And I want to be exposed, like I want to, like luck to find me. And if I want luck to find me, I, I don't do things that ah, like bad luck will find me, which is this concave shorting things. Some people do it very well. It's my personality. I can't handle it. You know? So if I short, I'm, I'm allowed in the phone. You know, I put it in the info memo. I have to have a call option, something that caps it, you know? Anything unlimited loss or something like that is, is not just not possible, you know? And the third part, the third pillar is having an like understanding how business is run. So I met my my like my wife. It was uh we met at, uh, at the last bank we worked and we left there and we I mean we had an uh, uh, um we opened a yoga studio in Vienna uh, in 2017. We sold it last year. Um now with the phone, my, my wife was translated and relocated and to another city, etc. And um, I always wanted when I was in the bank and I had already run the, you know, done, done this for as many years and investing, no, I was parallel, but it's let's say investing in companies for long term. So it's not taking decisions every day. It's like some now, let's say I, I take more, but uh, but it's, it's it's very long term. So I, I realized that in order to be a good investor, I needed to have real investing experience, meaning running a business, what it takes to hire people, fire people, retain talent. That's hard, man. You know, like we are here in Excel, happy, a coffee, you know, and we pretend that we know how businesses should be run. So we are always criticizing my like, business. It, it's, how, it's how hard, stupid man. they are on how stupid they are on <laughs> this. How is this? It's... How many of us have actually run a business? You know, like first like, I'm running a small business myself. It, it's it's hard. It's really it's hard. hard. Exactly. Yeah. So so with Laura, my, my wife, we said, um, well, we go and and I want to 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 have a business as well to to learn how it works. So we we had a, an adventure in the Caribbean. We decided to not continue. Um, then we came back to Europe, and and Laura loves yoga and all of this. So we opened a, a hot yoga studio, and um, man, that was a small business. But look, we had at some point like ten teachers. We had to interact with accountants. We had to interact with uh, people who help you clean in the studio. Well, there is a lot of uh, clients, loads of clients. The amount of, like, like, what I learned by doing that is unquantifiable. Example, we have, everything is about people. You have one good person, like things go boom, you know? You have one toxic person, it destroys, it's so concave. It's, you know, like it is, it's, it's, it's not only that it's the, what this person does bad, but what it does to other people and to the good people. So the effect is hugely negative. So, and how you deal with that, you know? So how, how to, so I learned that we need to cut anything negative, toxic immediately, you know, at the beginning it's complicated. And, you know, I learned that the best to do is to give autonomy, to trust the people. Um, I like, it's insane the amount of, and it's hard, it's very complicated. And, and for instance, I give you an example of something that is, is very useful for me. When you have the business, let's say, and a client comes and he said to whoever, a review or to you in the face or to a teacher, you know, uh, or, or to Laura, whatever, uh, you know, it's terrible. The class was terrible. Uh, it, it was, uh, so you immediately become defensive, right? It's like, wait, 
where were you located? It was there close to the heating, your hot yoga, whatever. Uh, or you, you try to, that's what your brain does, no? So like, that's what your brain. Very early, I, I learned that you should sh shut up completely, listen, uh, listen everything. And it doesn't matter, doesn't really matter whether the person is bad and it was a bad day and it's just a, that person. Doesn't matter. You just check what this happened. You review with the teachers, you know, with the people involved, what happened. And you just have this hunger to make things better and to not have that review again. You know, you cannot imagine how many companies are defensive when you tell them that something is wrong. You know, so if somebody is so a company or, or, or employees of the company or, or anything are just like willing to learn, finding is such a good aspect and on the culture of the company, on, on management, on, 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 on the willingness to, to improve things, you know, so it's, it's incredible. It's incredible all, all what you can learn by, 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 by doing that. So, and also my respect to management teams increase um, exponentially in the sense that a yoga studio, you know, is, is, is relatively easy. You know, it's not a restaurant, it's not a company with hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, and it's tough. It's really tough, you know. Like things happen, and so um, now I know it's, it's hard. So these guys are doing a, a very difficult job, and 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 um, and we know a little less than them in many so, things. So, so how does that? Because clearly, so these you three know, pillars are. Yeah, I, I was going to say because going through the pillars, this you it seemed like you spent the most time kind of going through that pillar and understanding that, you know, real, that real world business experience running, whether it's a small business or, you know, you're just, just being able to run a business like that in and of itself, you have to be able to take a step back and say, Hey, okay, this is not easy. So let's not be so quick to judge. Like I like that one part that you said in, in your story, how, you know, you're talking to an investor who wasn't even 30 years old, who had never run his, their own business. And uh, you know, they're talking like they're an authority on, business running, <laughs> you know, criticizing Absolutely. the CEO. And, and that, that actually, I, I, that, that came through a lot to me, you know, when I'm, you know, doing the CEO interviews and talking with management, to quite a few management teams, especially in the small micro cap space, you know, you, you, you take your, you know, you, you want to be critical, but at the same time, also being able to take a step back, like, okay, running these businesses is hard. Look, it's pretty easy to kind of suss out who's the, you know, who might not be working that hard, who might just be a hired gun, just kind of taking a pinch. Yes. You know, it's pretty easy to kind of figure those, but it's the, it, the, the real art and the, and the not even really a science, but the art and picking the right companies is being able to have that proper balance of like being critical, but also realizing, Hey, this management team is doing everything they can to make this happen. And might, maybe there's some other factors that are coming into play. So when it comes to looking your ideal investment or looking at criteria for a potential investment, you know, how do you balance that being critical of management, but also at the same time asking yourself like, all right, are they doing everything they need to do to realize that the vision that, that, you know, you think is, or the opportunity that's there for that company? Look, Look in big question. Then. So in, Look, uh, it's very simple on, on, on that because if you can um, find information about what management has been saying for years and compared to what they do, 
is uh, phenomenal, you know? So the problem is happening when you are in the moment and management is telling you this is happening and there is no much to check in the past. But I tell, I tell management teams this, like if you do what you say you're going to, you are about to do, you're in the top 1% of all management teams. And if you are not like consistently, right? Because think this, but if that's not, I don't expect that. But if you say you're going to do that and things happen because life is hard, you know, but if you come before and say, guys, I'm whatever, you send a press release, I don't know, uh, we're not going to, we're not going to be able to do X and Y for this reason. Before it happens and come across with this, you're already in the top 10% of management teams, you know? So that is something like, it's very, for me, you know, like you need to, you need to really evaluate what they are going to, what they say and what they're going to do. They need to be humble. You know, humility is very, very key. I have positions on, on uh, companies that let's say I have had, or uh, I really like the business itself and all. And I found a little bit arrogant uh, management. And that is like a level of risk for me that, you know, these people might be overconfident on what they see. Uh, so that's, that's all. At the end, this is all people, especially the smaller the company, it's just people. So, we, you know, like here, like forget about the numbers, like much what you see in the past. This is like here is you, you need to, 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 to be in the ground, checking with people, checking management, checking with employees, checking with other people who know the company, whatever. So that is, that is, that is what, how you can, you can, estimate uh, your degree of probability of success on that, but you evaluate as, as it goes. So let me, so when, for I, I can't believe I didn't ask this earlier, but where, where are you typically hunting, you know, for, for potential ideas? Do you tend to live more in the small micro nano cap space or, or are you looking everywhere? Well, I look at everywhere, but I spend more time on smaller companies, you know, whether they are small caps or micro cap, macro cap companies. Um, um, and yeah, so, well, uh, and how I like, because they, they, they are, I mean, that's the big opportunity, especially when you manage small money, when you manage small money, you know, you have, uh, you have, you are allowed to go to places where the big guys can't go, you know? So you definitely, so it's my, my responsibility to look at these places and that's my biggest return. Like my returns have predominantly been because of that, you know, uh, like um, there is no better feeling to have a company that you take as a micro cap or nano cap and it's a mid cap or a small cap, you know, and it grows like that. It's, it's, it's the best thing ever. And um, luckily uh, that has occurred. Um, so how you find uh, ideas if you want to know, well, this is, this is like Flannery, you know, everywhere is a network, speaking with people, going to conferences, um, um, you know, like um, social media, all the po possible in investment clubs that you can belong, belong, <laughs> you know? So like be there, talk, check everything that, you, that, that, that can happen. So it's like uh, have different, like a watch list uh, uh, and that company that I follow for years that at some point I get it or at some point they do something like I get interested or the price gets, gets there. Um, so it's, it's a combination of, uh, of aspects, you know? Gotcha. And, and throughout your, your experience and, and, you know, especially since opening the fund, I mean, what has been an investing experience that's changed your career, your thought process forever? Well, it's like, 
I, I, I'm thinking about this a lot because, you know, there is not one single one that hits you like, like that. That's it's fine. More... I, you, if you have five, uh, we, I love these stories. They're, they're great. <laughs> no, it's more, it's more like slowly how occurs. So for instance, I can give you an example. My, um, one of my first positions and I, I was managing risk differently by then. I was, let's say that was the pretty beginning. Uh, look, now I, I, I tend to not start positions at cost more than 10%. Uh, I have like the, my limit in my mind is 15, um, but I think that is not really worth it at cost. Back then, uh, I had one position, only one in my life that I did uh, 30%, you know, three zero. Um, and it worked very well, um, but honestly, that was resulting in the way that, uh, you know, like I don't think with the level of um, experience I had, uh, that was, at the, even with 15%, I would have been. So what happened is like, I can tell you the companies, MGPI, it's MGP Ingredients, it's a company I really like. And uh, sometimes, so, you know, I, I own it, uh, I bought it back in some years and, and, I, I, saw, and I haven't bought it for the fund. Um, well, I, I sold it when, when I closed the partnerships and, and I really like the company. So they are, so it's a distillery uh, company. So they produce, they have two segments. So they have ingredients and distillery products, meaning they produce gin, vodka, and whiskey, and they age it and they have their own brands. Back then, uh, they didn't age the whiskey at all. They sold it to other brands. So basically you have a lot of brand whiskey brands that they don't produce their own juice. You know, they source it as for com from companies like MGP. Uh, MGP is, is remarkable because they produce around 9% of bourbon whiskey uh, in the US and around 70% of rye whiskey, you know? So it's crazy, but no one knows about it much, you know? And the strategy was, of course, now because we are the best producing rye whiskey and all, uh, we should age the whiskey. Right. And of course, what happens with that? Margins go up. Of course, no. And, and that's a relatively cheap investment because, you know, you just increase your inventory. You just need to invest in maybe a warehouse, capex, but it's not a lot. So it's just working capital pretty much tied up. No. And, um, and um, management was uh, with the strategy, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, the, the, the thing is, everything worked very, very well. Uh, but because it's, you need to start selling the whiskey around year four, you know, you don't, you don't know what is going on. Of course, margins go up because you start selling a little bit more from age, one year, two years, that happens. But look, what I learned from that, you don't need to really like to invest too much at cost. Um, that's really not worth it. You know, like you can have extraordinary returns, uh, but just being a little bit more humble on what you believe at the beginning. Second, um, Every company setup can be perfect with all the best story and the real test on anything is commercialization, you know? So commercialization was tough. What I did with MGP, because MGP was so large for me at that time, I really set up something that actually, well, that's for your answer, that's actually good because that helped me on my discipline today, which is um, I identify some aspects that if they were to occur, they would mean that I'm probably flooding my investment thesis or something is risky on that before they happen. Not because, so of course this is not gonna happen because you don't know what's gonna happen in the future. But for instance, in MGP it was very simple. 
they are aging whiskey. So meaning the inventory should go up every quarter, right? And the moment the inventory doesn't go up um, or starts to, especially starts to decrease and margins don't go substantially up, that means either they are not selling at the price they were supposed to sell, you know? And that means there is a very big problem going on or what happens. Well, that happened. That exactly happened in 2018-19. So uh, the inventory started to put. And what happened was uh, management, to me, that's my read. It was too confident on, on, on what it was going to happen with commercialization and all. Now the company is doing really well. They, they have a new CEO and they bought an art, they bought looks and well, all of this. But, but you know, that happened. And when this happened, I really, really trimmed the position and eventually I sold it all completely. And, and stock went down a lot. Um, well, management was replaced, and but you know that means like there is aspects that if you could identify them, have them ready because the moment they occur, they should they should be like a flag to you. Mm, maybe maybe there's something wrong, you know. And I do that across everything. Of course, there are lots of things that you cannot identify in advance. That this is life, but there are some that you can, you know. Um, and MGP is one of, uh, an interesting example because it's, it's this type of companies that, you know, in the numbers don't tell you anything, but they have they had at the time. And I mean, this unrecognized earning potential, which is all the whiskey that they will sell age or potentially create a brand. They did create brands and, and I think they're going to be really successful. And I hope so. Gotcha. And and just for full disclosure, I know you said you you trimmed the position and you got out of it. I don't have of... MGP today. Okay. Oh, okay. Just curious. No, I don't have. At the phone, I never bought it. I mean, the phone was open just now. It just yep. from the partnerships to the phone. Gotcha. But that's a, that, I, I got to tell you, that's a really good example of, of um, it's almost worth it to, to look at ideas, not from, you know, you can make an argument for anything that you want to potentially invest in for the growth prospects. And this is the TAM and the addressable, mar- you know, the addressable market, all, all the, all that good stuff, you know, but yeah. the, but the part that we don't think about enough, I would say on the most part is not just your downside risk in general, but really digging into your downside risk and, and, and it, it almost makes you feel more comfortable in your investment if there are identifiable downside risks, you know? Like, listen, everything is on the same playing field for things that you just can't identify, like COVID. None of us saw COVID coming, right? Uh, that that that's that was a complete uh, black swan in many different ways. I mean, unless you're, you know, an infectious disease expert and we're following SARS since 2005, right? You know, uh, other than that. But, and, and I don't mean to, I'm not trying to make fun of it or, or play with it but 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 i'm using it as an example of like it, it's just it's so much it, it, it i'm sure i mean I, listen i'm just asking from your perspective it probably gives you much more comfort when you're looking at potential idea and saying hey i can actually identify these risks right here versus just some kind of nebulous like oh there's probably risks associated with it yeah the, the important thing exactly is identify them and and really act uh if they occur you know like saying you you know, because at the end of the day, every position deserves uh, uh, a size, you know. So if you have the largest position uh, you and you have the, these risks identified and they happen, it doesn't, it doesn't deserve that size, you know. Like, it needs to be trimmed. It needs to be, you need, so these are the aspects because, you know, this is why it's so beautiful uh, investing with fundamentals in the sense, uh, because it's like what is happening at the company level should drive how much you own, you know. I love adding up, you know. I love adding up. It doesn't matter that the stock price goes up because many times management executes. 
executes better than you expect. So the risk-adjusted price is lower, right? Because right. the, the so that is that is that. So you need to act. So you definitely need to act. And many companies, I I, I substantially trim if something happens, because at the end of the day, it's just an information to you if that something is happening. Or also, I have, for instance situations that I don't even identify at all, you know, and they happen and they are negative. They are intrinsic to the company. I never act on these situations, you know, because that means, oh, the risk of me being wrong has gone up. That's it, you know? So therefore this is not like blind. This is not a macro thing or whatever that everything goes down a lot and then you can act, you know? All right. So Jean-Philippe, we're pretty much there. So I, cool. I want excellent. I want I wanted to close out with our with my last question is you know we went through a number of, of different experiences that you've had in your investing career but what what advice would you have for new investors that sure. you know that 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 helped you a lot so you could and that's when I will uh, recommend these two books oh as okay well. that's, all that's right um, so but for, so first I I assume these are guys that are already investing no so. Think everything probabilistically. So there is nothing that is like investing or, or really looking into it, but so they know about it, you know, they know how it works, you know? So, so think probabilistically. Don't assume anything is 100% true um, and be like the truth of things is always in the middle. Nothing is black or white, you know? So try to have balanced views about anything. This don't, it's never healthy to be permabull, permabear on anything. So if you are predictable on how you're going to, I think that's a bad sign, you know? So uh, pay attention to hidden risks. The risks, um, a casino, for instance, main risk, for instance, a small casino in a shop, uh, uh, you, you can say somebody winning uh, everything. That's not happening. It's mediocre stand. It's a normal distribution. That's not happening. A main risk would be the man. So let's say you are the owner of the casino, whatever, you buy the shares. <laughs> Uh, is the manager, I don't know, having a sex scandal, misbehavior with the clients, and then they have to shut down. That, that's not in the risk metrics of, of, of that. So be careful of hidden risk. And for that, allow your portfolio for this to occur and for you to be wrong. And cut as, no, as much noise as possible. Uh, we are in, a, in an environment where any single opinion goes there, exponential, uh, is very, very tough to get valuable information. Is plenty. So just cut the noise. If you have that discipline, uh, it's the best. And I bring three books, which are not investing books, which are phenomenal for investing. So this guy, uh, this is The Mission, The Men and Me by Pete Blaver. Uh, I don't know how, uh, it's absolutely great. It's uh, well, an ex-military guy who explains how to be on the ground uh, is helpful um, and not having, not making decisions when you don't really know the context of things is phenomenal. Incognito, this is a, a neuroscience uh, book um, by David Eagleman. I have read everything he has written uh, in books. Um, explains a lot about how we make decisions from a neuroscience uh, point of view. And it really, really should be read by any investor. I, you know, it, like it, it, you see how, how fragile we are uh, to be influenced by many things. And, and with that, you can um, apply some tricks uh, depending on your personality. And another one is Scott Adams on how to fail at almost everything and still win big. It's a phenomenal book on, on his experience. And 
I mean, I, I, I want to spoil it. It's, it's, this is this is really good. Um, so that's it. That's uh, the, I don't know if it's helpful. Like, uh, it was helpful for me. Hopefully, it's helpful for anybody, for somebody. Uh, I, Bob, thanks. I think I'm definitely going to pick up uh, those. But I actually haven't read any all three of those, so that'll that'll well, be go for it. Don't worry, it'll take me. I'm the slowest reader ever. It'll probably take me 10 years to read all of them, but I'll, I'll get through them eventually. Um, so Jean-Philippe, where can our audience go and find more information to follow you, read your insights, uh, uh, see the fund? You know, where, where, where can people go and follow you? Uh, I, I haven't been very active lately on Twitter, but I have a Twitter account. Um, I was very active before, uh, just now with all this noise, uh, it's complicated. Uh, but there is JP Tissot, uh, like T- JP Tissot, uh, like the watch, uh, and one number at the end, one. And um, LinkedIn, uh, Jean-Philippe Tissot, um, they can find me, that's pretty much, and then uh, they can message me there and... I don't have uh, a website or anything yet, uh, you know. So we'll eventually do it for the phone and everything. But uh, uh, but yeah, these two are the main ways um, to find me for now, I guess. So, so on Twitter, I'd, sorry, I just had to look at it and make sure. It's Condorito. Is that, yeah, is that's, that, that's yeah, correct, okay. correct. Condorito. I opened, I, I, I was very late on Twitter and... I was very late on Twitter and uh, I just, uh, I, I read Condorito a lot. It's a cartoon from Chile, which we read in Colombia and I love it completely. It's, it's phenomenal. I have some there. And I just put uh, a picture of one <laughs> character there that never uh, appears. And I put Condorito and we go like this. Uh, well, now <laughs> I put it there. Oh, you know, I actually hilarious. changed the handles really lately. Oh, uh, so maybe I need to <laughs> change that at some point. But No, that's good stuff, dude. Well, listen, Jean-Philippe, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next chat. Thank you, Bobby, for uh, inviting me. Uh, Pleasure to be here and uh, enjoy. Ciao. Ciao. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Podcast.